A very warm welcome to the Change Conversations podcast, where we help individuals to reignite the spark to look at their lives and careers with a different lens. Our interactions interrogate different individuals of all backgrounds who seek to be equipped for change in their careers and personal goals. I am your host, Mbumengu Betaga, and I look forward to bringing you impactful change conversations. Welcome, everybody. Um, in this episode, I am chatting to Nara Zimane. Nara is a creative, um, and we are going to be having a conversation around the good, the bad, and the uh-huh. ugly of the creative <laughs> industry. Yeah. Um, so if you are listening to this conversation, please continue to follow us, subscribe, do all the things people do on social media, comment, like, share. Um, I strongly believe that these conversations can really make a difference in somebody's life. So yeah, yeah. so on the chair, I've got Nara. Nara, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm okay, thank you. I'm glad you're here today. Same. I was just like very nervous. I was like, oh my goodness, what am I even going to talk about? <laughs> what am I even going to say? <laughs> but you're talking to me, so you, there's no way. You shouldn't be nervous. It's just me. It's just me. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Nara, please please introduce yourself. Okay. Hi, I'm Nara. I am a singer, songwriter, and producer. And yeah, I'm a, I'm a creative. Yeah. Wow. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time. So maybe sure. let me tell, let me tell people how I know you. <laughs> okay, uh, sure. Yeah. So Nara is in my team. I have to claim that I have a team. Um, yeah. Nara. <laughs> Nara um, does. Uh, did sound engineering as one of a um, qualifications, and uh, so she helps with all my audio for the podcast. And yeah, yeah. And I met Nara through church, and it's been amazing <laughs> yeah. in my team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, we're not here to speak about sound engineering. We're here to speak about yeah. the creative part. So Nara, talk yeah. to me about when did you, when you were young, um, mm. what did you want to do and when did this creative bug, as people call it, when did you realize that you have you had that? Um, I think it's always been there because my mom said I started singing before I could talk. And she said when I was younger, when we were at church, I would just start breaking out in some song and start dancing around or whenever we would walk somewhere there's this little human who will just stop dancing will stop walking and start dancing in the middle of the road and or on the pavement and they just have to let me finish my number first and then we can continue walking oh <laughs> so my god <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah you must have been a handful can you imagine oh. Oh my goodness, I dances all over the place. (laughs) Yeah, I was I was a handful, I'll admit it. I still kinda am, you know, but yeah. (laughs) No, but I I I can relate to that to that because I love dancing. Um I actually grew up um doing some bit of dance. Mm -hmm. And my daughter, my uh, I've got two daughters, but my middle daughter mm-hmm. has taken the dance element and she's always doing a number of some sort everywhere in any way. So, so I can relate to that part. Yeah. 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 So so just take me through your journey um within this creative space and and what has like how have you found the journey? Okay, well. Officially for me, I think when I saw Michael Jackson when I was small, I don't I don't know if you remember, but there was Bob TV back in the day. Yeah. 
and yeah. they would play Michael Jackson and they would play Destiny's Child. And uh, I remember my first memory, like it's a very vivid memory, was when Michael Jackson's black and white song came out. And then there's that part where he comes out of the fire and I would rehearse it all the time and teleport around the house, like run, run, run quickly and pretend there's a camera there and start singing and doing the dance moves and then run, run back again and start singing there. And I would go outside and imagine that I'm in a music video because <laughs> on Sundays there would be the, those gospel shows and yeah. most of the music videos of these gospel singers are in a garden of some sort. So I would start coming out from the house and then go to the back of the house where there's like flowers and stuff and sing there. And then in another part, I'd run again. And when I saw Beyonce perform at the 4664, I knew this is this is who I want to be. I would look at her and think, wow. At wow. six years old, I thought, okay, this is this is definitely what I'm gonna do for the rest of my life. Oh wow. Uh-huh. So what did you do in terms of study? Okay, so after I matriculated, I went to Oakfields College to study musical theatre. So I didn't finish though. I did two years. Um, I didn't do my third year because circumstances, like my auntie passed away and stuff. So it was a lot. Uh, And then I took a break in 2015. And in 2016, I did a year of drama. And then 2017, I... Did something completely. I started working like an office at a church, but it was like an office type job. And yeah, and then in 2018, that's when I started getting back into it. And I was teaching tap dancing for a while. And it was fun. It was really fun. So, and then in 2019, I decided to do my producer course at Boston. So I'm not a, a sound engineer as such. I'm an audio engineer, meaning I can work my way around software, the studio. So it's a, it's more of the lighter side, whereas with sound engineering, they have to carry speakers and stuff, <laughs> which I don't do. <laughs> oh, okay. So so now you're schooling me that there's a difference between the sound yeah. engineering and the audio engineering. Okay, yeah. now I know. Yeah. And somebody else is going to know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay, yeah. okay. So so how have you really tried to get into more into the creatives industry space? What what have you done? Oh um that's a hard one because it's like I used to send auditions to different companies. Like the one time in high school, my friends and I, two guy friends and I started a group called 236 and it was like a hip hop group. So I was the singer and they were the rappers. And my uncle is a talent developer. I don't know. He develops talent um, and he's helped a few people in the industry not going to say their names but yeah (laughs) he's helped a few so I thought he could help us out but then things didn't work out so um and then I so I the song that we had recorded I sent to uh Scooter Braun his label I sent it to him um I tried quite a few labels and then nothing happened so I just decided, okay, let me study. And then in 2018, I found K-pop. Uh, and it's a whole different world. So I looked at different companies and I started auditioning for them. Yeah. And now I've just decided to be an independent artist because my mom sat me down and was like, bro, you got to create your own opportunities. You know, you can't depend on getting signed to a label and she gave me like the pros and cons of being in the in a label and so she just said to me just create your own career path because if you're getting no's everywhere you have to give yourself a yes so that's that's where I'm at right now oh wow I like that create create your own career path and not and not depend it's not a matter of not depending on anybody, but it's it's looking bigger than mm. than 
what you think you know, right? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, so how is this uh, process going now of you creating your own label and just then creating your own career path? It's, it's challenging <laughs> because I have no one to blame except myself if anything goes wrong. Um, so it's going well because I have a few friends who are creators as well. So what we do is we trade skills. It's like, I need you to do this for me. I will do that for you. So um, it's, been, it's been quite cool because uh, I've had to now come out of my shell and do things that I wouldn't under normally, normal circumstances do, like be on Instagram. Because I stopped being on Instagram for years because it just gives me anxiety. But it's it's one of those things where you just have to bite the bullet and do what you need to do. And yeah. really focusing on creating music. And my first step actually was just registering myself on Samro, Orissa, Samra, all the all the I don't know what to call them, boards, all the musicians. Yeah, yeah. 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 So after I did that, I I was like, whoa, this is real. This is real. So I've just been working on my music, trying to build my social media, which is a bit hard. But yeah. You know, the assumption is always that if you're a creative, you you're extroverted, you're out there, you know? Yeah. And if I'm hearing you talk about um the struggles with social media and Instagram. And that gives uh-huh. a different perspective because I thought it's some of us that are introverted that battle <laughs> with some good stuff. Yeah. Um, <laughs> because I think I think when you're a creative, there's always an assumption that you are very out there and you because people uh-huh. are, will always be looking at you in some shape or form. Like, if uh-huh. you're a dance person, people's eyes are going to be focused on you, you know? Yeah. Um, so how are you dealing with that? Um, the thing is, on stage, it's different. Everyone is that way. Whereas if you are with people, like, for instance, I'm very introverted. I don't, I don't usually talk to strangers. If I'm you at a place and we're all there for a common thing, I'm not going to talk to anyone. Not because I think I'm better or anything. It's just because I'm so shy. But when I'm on stage, it's like I get to be my true self without any inhibitions. So it's quite different because also the people are far. They're not on the stage with me. So I'm able to just perform and have fun and disassociate from what everyone's thinking unlike in everyday life where you know it's it's easy to say oh I don't care what people think but that's not reality at some point somewhere we do care about what other people think and if you're an entertainer you do care what people think because if people don't like your stuff no one's going to engage you and you're not going to make money so you need people to like you so yeah being on stage, I don't, I don't really have any of those things. Being on stage is freeing, if I can say. Where, yeah, like, yeah, it's it's very different from real life. Okay, okay. Uh-huh. So, so now, where where are you at? So we said we'll speak about the good, the bad, and the ugly of. of uh-huh. the so talk uh-huh. to me about the good. The good is you you obviously get to be creative. You get to be weird. You know, it's, it's, it's one of those things, being a creative, like one of the perks of being a creative is being weird and no one saying, uh, bro, what the heck? They'll just say, ah, you know, artists, you know, creatives, you know. <laughs> so that's the good thing. And you get to meet people and you, you never stop learning. If you meet a person, you continue to learn from them right and you you're always developing that's the good thing about it and you the good thing also is that you never know when you're going to break through it might be the smallest thing 
and you'll think, oh, okay, it doesn't mean anything. And then, boom, you're doing whatever it is that you dreamt about. For instance, with me, after I finished my course, I didn't know what I was going to do. I mean, I, I looked and there was nothing for like audio engineering. So I just decided, okay, let me just work at church. And I didn't expect that I would be one of your, part of your team, right? So it's one of those things where just being active and just doing things, you know, it will lead to something that that's extraordinary. So that's the good thing about it. Yeah. And, and within that creative space, what, what excites you more? Because you you sing, you dance, um, you do all these other things. Where do you think your passion really lies? My passion lies with singing and writing music and composing music. Because the reason I became, an, uh, the reason I did production was because I couldn't see myself being able to relate what I was hearing in my head to another producer to to produce for me, right? Because ever since I was little, I hear music in my head all the time. And when I write the song, the tune will come out first. And then I hear all the drums, all the all the instruments. And I just felt like it was going to be difficult trying to tell someone oh, the melody is da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. They're going to, what? <laughs> and then I'm like, no, that like uh, piano thingy, that's not really a piano. Me time, I want to say it's a synthesizer, but because I don't know what a synthesizer is, I'll just say, you know that thingy, the girls, yeah. So I just, that scared me. And I thought, okay, this is not going to work. I need to, <laughs> I need to do this myself. So, okay. yeah. Yeah. It's my passion is around music, writing and producing. Okay. So I've I've heard some of the some of the music that you've you've done because because in, in the podcast you've used some of that music that you you you've created, which I think is amazing. Uh, <laughs> the music actually on the podcast is not what I created. I will send you what I've created. You know what I did? Because um, it's a podcast and I didn't want anyone to like try to steal the music or or try to mess with your podcast. I did, um, I chose tunes from GarageBand and they're royalty free, right? And that's what I chose instead of going on a website (laughs) and trying to get like a, yeah, I got that, and then I sent it to you. Obviously, and you picked the one that you liked the most. So yeah, yeah, it's, it's all about being intuitive. Actually, being a creative, it's you have to be intuitive and just make decisions that feel right to you. Yeah. So currently, the music that you're writing, what are you doing mm-hmm. with it? I'm still. Um, I still have to engineer it. Well, in with producing, you call it mixing. And then after mixing it, you master it. So I'm still doing that because I had put it off um, for a while because I was having some mental health struggles. So now that I'm stable, I've, I've just been working on that, mixing it. And I am now moving on to shooting uh, like little films for it, not a music video as such, but like little short films for the music. That's what I'm working on right now. Okay. And from the dance perspective, because you also do a lot of dance, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I've been practicing a lot, but I I haven't been posting anything. That's my issue because I, I've, I posted one dance video, just one on my Instagram. And it took me, it took a lot out of me because I was so anxious about it. So, yeah, with the dancing, I just practiced by myself. But I, I have purpose in my heart that I will upload because I have to get out of my comfort zone if I want to get, if I'm going to get to where I want to, you know. Yeah. 
And your vision is what? Where do you want to get to? My vision is just to be comfortable with my music, you know, have a comfortable lifestyle. It doesn't even have to be extravagant. Even if it's just 20 people listening to my music, that's fine. As long as I can just have an income from that and just live comfortably and not have to stress out about things, but just focus on my craft. That's my vision. So are we not going to be getting a Madonna or a Rihanna out of you? Is that what you're telling me? Ah, you will. You will get a, you're going to get a Nara, okay? That's happening. It's just, I feel like I don't want that to be my goal, just having fame, you know? Because I feel like that compromises my integrity in a way. I feel like if I do become famous, it should be because people recognize my talent and recognize my music. Um because I feel like fame should be a byproduct of excellence. Oh, wow. I like that. Yeah. The excellence part. The excellence part. But, but I think the reality, though, Nara, is because the creative industry is, is known for people really giving us a lot of music but dying poor. Yeah. And I wouldn't, and I yeah. wouldn't wish that on you on anybody mm-hmm. to be honest mm. so so i want to challenge you to to think bigger than than just the 20 people that who love your music and 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 buy it and to think bigger that you can be able to to live a good life that doesn't have struggles financially and that mm. for me i think is the biggest part is the biggest part of it I agree with you. I think this is why I decided to go the independent route because then I'm responsible for registering my music and no one can try to cheat me out of my royalties because I do everything myself. Uh, When my mom explained to me how labels really work, I decided to do my own research. And in one of the videos that I watched about it, they showed how Big labels will take 85% of your income and give you 15%. And from that 15%, you must record studio time. You must pay for studio time. You must pay for the stylist. You must pay for a lawyer that they assigned to you. You must pay for your manager. You must pay for everything from that 15%. And after paying for everything, then you get an income. With everything, like with royalties, they keep it. So I also was just like, you know what, I don't want to be one of those artists living on credit because the truth is some of these artists are busy flexing on social media and they actually don't have what they're flexing. So it's it's something I didn't want for myself and I didn't want to die poor because a lot of these artists made these labels so much money and they didn't see any of that money because when the registration for royalties and stuff was happening, their names weren't put on there. It's one of those things where someone will say, oh, I have your best interests at heart. You don't have to worry about anything. I'll do it all. And then when you look, all your creative passion, like all your creative things that are just, you don't own them. They're owned by someone else. And someone else is making money from your work. So that's something I didn't want because I figured if I prove to myself that I'm able to I'm able to make it, I'm able to make music and be lucrative. If a label comes knocking my at my door, I get to dictate the terms. Unlike if they've come to me now. They dictate the terms. And I don't want to be in a position where I'm dictated to. This is why I don't work an office job. I don't want to be dictated to. I want to be able to have my passion. Yes, we need structure, but you're not going to dictate to me what I should sing, what I should wear, how much money I'm getting. That's not that's not what I want. Wow. And 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 where are you seeing yourself going? Um in the next couple of years? 
Well, seeing myself in terms of what, like Korea, Korea, career-wise, yeah. Well, I would really like to score a movie. You know, just be in charge of the sound design for the movie. That's just one of my biggest dreams. Um, music aside, I would really, really uh, love to do that because Pharrell did the score for The Lion King and it was amazing. And I aspire to be like him as a musician because he's so versatile. So one of my biggest dreams is to be scoring like a series or a movie. That, that would be really cool because music sets the mood for the entire series or movie. You know, you get to manipulate people's feelings and pull on their heartstrings, <laughs> which I think is fun. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I can relate to that because I, I love, I love TV. I love, mm-hmm. I love movies. I love series. And mm-hmm. there are some of those series where I just like, when I hear that soundtrack, I, I get taken to another level. I'm just exactly. like, oh, there's something about the soundtrack. And I get all excited. <laughs> just, just around the soundtrack, nothing more. Exactly. It, exactly. it could be a crappy movie or a crappy series, but just the soundtrack can really can really do wonders in, in terms yeah. of engaging, engaging yeah. somebody. Wow, I didn't know that. So I I really hope you do get to to get the dream one of these days. That would be amazing. Yeah, yeah. That would be amazing. I really, I really hope that comes to pass for you. So, so what are the things? So, if somebody who's really starting out, because you are also starting out, Uh but I think you've really, you've really tried to 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 tap into into the industry what are the things that you would get them to think about Mm. um number one don't compromise yourself or your creativity that's the thing um i think one of the things that didn't i think it was god it was by divine power that i didn't get any response from any of the labels that I tried to contact um, or that my uncle would help me with any talent development because I could feel that with my uncle especially, I felt like he was trying to make me into an artist that I was not. So I feel like if you're starting out, don't go the route where you're going to compromise yourself and then think, oh, later I'll be myself. Because I feel like if you start compromising, you're always going to compromise. I don't think there'll be a time when you don't compromise. So I feel like that's another thing. And then taking care of your mental health is very, very important because a lot of creators have struggles with mental health. And it's not a conversation that anyone wants to have right now. So Mm. I think it's important to keep your integrity and Take care of your mental health. And, and the mental health, um, Nara talks to what? Is it more the anxiety? Is it more what, for you? You don't have to tell us the detail, but when you're talking mental health, what, what in detail, what are you kind of referring to? Depression and anxiety as well. Because even if you're, for instance, when I was in college and we would do shows, there's something called post-show blues where you'll get depressed when the show is done. Like, however, is it three months, a month, a week, however however many runs the show has, when it's done, you get depressed. Like, you feel empty, thinking, oh, my word, (laughs) that's done. Okay, what's next? And Mm -hmm. it may be a while before you get another gig. So mm. it's, it's depression is something to, to really look out for because I feel like if you're self-aware, you'll be able to feel, okay, something's not right here. Mm. And anxiety because you have so much to do and you have so much that you want to give 
And there's so much that you want to communicate with your creativity. So you may be anxious because you don't know how people are going to receive it. Or you could be anxious of a lot of things, you know. You could be anxious that you would actually make it, like people will actually receive you up because that's a real thing, being afraid of actually breaking through. It's like you want to break through, but at the same time, you're scared of it. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think the mental health conversation is is a serious one, and and we've been seeing it not just within the creative industry. We've also been seeing it in in the sporting industry with with the big yeah. names that of yeah. people that are saying, "I'm out because I really need to go look after my mental health." Yeah, and, and being able to to talk about it and and raise the issue, I think is is a great thing. Mm. Um, and to understand that so that other people can understand that they're not the only ones going through it, right? Exactly, exactly. Yeah, because I think what also scares me a bit, I don't know whether it's just a perception, is with the creative industry, because I, I am assuming that because of some of that mental health, you find that, other people then get addictive, addicted to, um, to either drugs or weed uh-huh. or all these other things because uh-huh. they're trying to deal with, with themselves and the creativity and the anxiety that comes with the industry. Yeah. No, that's actually, that's absolutely true. Because I remember in college, we were, uh, we were a mess because you're told, you're going to, you're replaceable. You're not special. Um, what you can do, the next person can do. So it's, yeah, it's a very, it was a very competitive thing. And I remember just having my classmates or friends just cry out of nowhere because you're so exhausted or that everything's just weighing down on you because you want to be good at everything. You don't want to be replaced. And I think it's the same sentiment with like the commercial side of things where if you're a good rapper or a singer, you're constantly thinking about, I need to, I need to do better than the last time. So you do, you do fall into like, for instance, drugs or whatever it is that helps you cope, you know, Mm -hmm. because it's still mental health is still like kind of not a conversation people want to have. Nobody wants to go to a psychiatrist because they'll think, oh, I'm weak or something like that. So I think as a result, their peeps would rather just cope with whatever it is that they find to cope. Yeah. No, I I I hear you and I take I take it so seriously because so I've got an issue with the thing of celebrating that you're strong. Yeah. Um, yeah. So so I've I've grown up um being the eldest and 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 you these responsibilities and all these things and this thing of just being strong and 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 thinking that being strong is actually the thing. It's like <laughs> the the best thing that anybody yeah. can describe you is you're yeah. strong. You know exactly. And and I was actually doing um I, I was doing an enneagram I'm doing an enneagram course at the moment and uh-huh. doing that doing that test I've actually come out as as a number eight which is an active controller and that okay. active controller one of the things one of the 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 innate thing with those people is that they're strong right and I've been saying in class to say guys. I don't want to own this strong label anymore. It is uh-huh. draining. It is draining. It is draining. It's exhausting. And I don't want it. I want to, I want to be vulnerable. I want to yeah. cry. Yeah. You know? But yeah. but because you you it you it's innate in me to be that uh-huh. person who wants to fix things. So uh-huh. I go into a fixing mode. First, then go into an emotional element of thinking about of like the emotions are high, but the next thing is you actually just want to fix. Yeah, 
you know exactly and i'm i'm glad that as i'm getting older i've i've really decided to say no when things are falling apart i actually just want to fall apart and be okay uh-huh. with it uh-huh. and not bring the strength and the strong and i can do this and like i can't i'm just like i'm done <laughs> so yeah. yeah so i i appreciate I you me. actually sharing sharing that part of of your story and 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 just hoping that somebody out there who's listening to us they realize that it's okay to be vulnerable yeah it's okay yeah it's okay to know where your emotions are at and to be uh-huh. and to ask for help because the other yeah. thing we do is we think asking for help is not is show, showcasing your weak side is not a good thing you know yeah exactly exactly especially culturally with within african cultures like it's white people stuff you know mental health is white people stuff and it's like no it's not it's everybody's stuff you know um and the thing is i think it's mostly important to understand that just because so and so made it at a young age doesn't mean that you are and you need to be okay with that i mean i know quite a bit of uh quite a number of people who are still trying to break through you know we're at this age where we think oh no we need to settle down we need to get married and have children and you look at yourself and you think but i haven't even reached my tiny goal yet and i just i feel like just being appreciative of where you are helps because small victories lead to a big victory a big victory doesn't just happen so i feel like just being patient with yourself and not trying to be strong as we're saying is important because you have to keep pushing because i know that there are a lot of us who are still like trying to build ourselves and build our brand and it can be frustrating. So I just want my fellow creatives who haven't really who are still starting out, who are still trying to make it to commercial success. I just I just want to point out that you're not alone and it's okay to be where you are. You know, it's okay because you are making progress, you are active. Just because it's not what is deemed progress doesn't mean it's not progress yeah no i take that i really i i i understand where you're coming from and and this does just doesn't talk to creatives though this talks to everybody because when when you get out of university or you finished any tertiary um education of some sort uh-huh. there's an element of you comparing yourself to your to your peers and now you yeah. see your peers uh driving BMWs oh, staying <laughs> staying in some cluster in Santin and 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 really happening mm-hmm. but but we are all brought so i believe that we are brought to the world to do different things right mm-hmm. and and you need to find your path you need to find your mm-hmm. thing because when you start doing what other people are doing and it's not your thing it usually doesn't end up well right you compromise and, 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 yeah and sometimes you you feel like your path is slow and and i think mm-hmm. we've all gone through that i've gone through that way i've looked around and i've thought oh my god my peers are ceos and this and that oh, and then you know. thinking but i thought i was better than them <laughs> exactly <laughs> but you know but you don't realize that you had your own path and you were meant mm-hmm. to be other things mm-hmm. and and finding a way to embrace that and, and that for me i think is the biggest thing but i think mm-hmm. the other thing is also is also finding mentors that are in that space that you want to be in people that can really guide you that can that can coach you through the process 
so that you you are realistic, but you still have your goals and you work towards mm-hmm. your goals and your vision. And mm-hmm. sometimes you don't have to do things on your own. Um, mm-hmm. Find the right people that will help you through that process. I think I think for me that is a big thing. Yeah, I agree, and it's something my mom's been saying also, but. She also taught me the concept of silent mentors. Silent mentors are those people that you follow. I mean, there are these two producers that I watch on YouTube and they've helped my my music and my uh, production in a very, like, it. how do I say this? They've helped me quite a lot. I've learned a lot from them. And I just look up to them, you know. And so they're my silent mentors because it's they're, they've made it in the industry and they have so much knowledge and wisdom that I feel like, okay, I will get to a place where I have a physical mentor who will help me because, you know, mentors are not easy to find, especially in this space. You know, also just the, the, the idea of approaching someone scares me to death. Like, oh my goodness. So <laughs> Okay. I need I need to I need to coach you now around yeah. around that. Yeah. Find, yeah. So finding a mentor has got a, a, a lot to do with um it's scary because you you fear rejection and that's what it uh-huh. boils down to, right? Uh-huh. So you fear that you might approach this person and this person will be going, no, like why? Like no, I'm not interested to help you. Yeah. What I found is you need to decide what type of mentor you're looking for, Mm -hmm. and you you need to be clear on what is it that you want them to help you with. Right. Sometimes you get people. So I get a lot of people approaching me to say, "Oh, Alsumbume, can you please be my mentor?" Uh-huh. And then I go, what do you need help with? Uh-huh. And the person can't answer me. So now what's supposed to happen? Like, so be clear on why you need the mentor and right. what, what specifics would you like this person to be helping with? Because this person is going to be sacrificing their time. They are not going to be there for you all the time. But if uh-huh. you are then approaching me with very clear specifics to say I need help with this one two three four then I'm clear that I'm helping you with that one two three four then we can create the relationship as we create the relationship then other things might come up but be clear on your part on I need mentors for these and you can have a number of mentors it doesn't have to be one mentor uh, for everything you can have uh-huh. a number of mentors that are mentoring you in different spaces of your life and in uh-huh. different spaces within your career. Because uh-huh. people that have walked down the path are always willing to share. You'll be amazed, but most people are, are very much willing to share their lessons with the people that are coming. Because there's something, uh-huh. when you're mentoring some, somebody, there's something in giving back that also right. helps you as a person because there's a sense of gratitude of wanting to help somebody else. Uh-huh. So usually you need to deal with the fact that you might ask somebody and they might say no. And them saying no, it's got nothing to do with you. Them saying no might have a lot to do with something like, I don't think I've got capacity to help you right now because mm. I'm busy with so many other projects and I won't be able to help you. So I'd rather say no than say I'm going to be your mentor and when you need to have conversations with me, I'm unavailable, right? So, right. You, so look at it from that perspective that you can ask and somebody can say yes or somebody can say mm-hmm. no. That doesn't take anything from who you are. And you're not right. going to die because somebody said no to you. You'll be breathing tomorrow and the sun will be shining outside and you'll mm-hmm. be okay. Mm-hmm. So it becomes a matter of 
you getting over that fear of I might be rejected and just asking. And in your asking, you're asking and saying, hi, I'm Nara. I've been following you and I think you're doing an amazing job. I would love for you to please mentor me. This is where I need help. One, two, three, four. Boom. The person is hearing you and they can decide there and then whether they're able to help you or not. Then, Mm. Then me getting a DM that says hi. And then somebody <laughs> wants me to say hi back to them. And then, I how are you? Oh, and man. then they expect you to be going, I'm okay. And then the third thing, oh, can you please mentor me? I'm like, no. <laughs> Just be succinct. Hi, this is who I am. Mm-hmm. This is what I like about the work that you're doing. I'm not sure if you would have capacity to mentor me. And if you do, these are the things that I'm needing help on. You are succinct. I know exactly what you're looking for. And then I can turn around and say, yes, Nara, I'll be willing to help. Or I can turn around and say, no, Nara, unfortunately, I don't have capacity right now because I've got all these other projects. Or maybe I might not even give you a reason. I might just say, no, Adam, I I won't be able to help you. That doesn't take anything away from you as Nara. Mm -hmm. It's got nothing to do with you. It's got everything to do with the other person that you've just asked. And they can say yes or no. And that's that. That's something to think about, actually. So I'm challenging you. (laughs) I'm challenging you in the next three Mm -hmm. months. Mm -hmm. Find a mentor. Because for sure, there are people that you've been looking at and hoping they could mentor you. I challenge you. Yes, they are. (laughs) Oh, my word. Okay. Now I have an accountability partner. I know you're going to hold me accountable. (laughs) And can you imagine? I'm challenging you on this. this. Yeah, it means we have have to do a (laughs) follow-up. It's it's fine. Fine. <laughs> what happens? It's like, oh, wait, there's more. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> so we'll do a follow-up. So, But I've challenged you to do that. Challenge accepted. I will do that. Cool. So, Nara, before we close up, what is mm-hmm. the one thing that you want um somebody who's been hearing us having this conversation. I know this conversation started off on something else. And I think this is what I love about this, this change yeah. conversation. Yeah. We'll start with, this is what we're going to talk about. And we end up with something else, which is fine. Because for me, it's like, it needs to be as authentic as it can possibly be. And, mm-hmm. and whichever direction it takes for me, I think I always believe that's the message that it's supposed mm-hmm. to bring. So, mm-hmm. so we, I know we've spoken about a whole lot of other things. We've spoken about mental health and all these other things. What is the one thing that you'd like somebody to take out of this? Your dreams are valid. You need to believe in yourself. You know, if nobody else believes in you, that's fine. You need to believe in yourself and you need to, push through the discouragement you know just because like you're saying someone said no it doesn't take away anything from you so I feel like the one thing is just your dreams are valid they are real things they're not just dreams and if you keep working at it then they're reality they're not just dreams no matter how small the the impact seems to you your dreams are still valid yeah. Thanks, Nara. So for anybody who's been um, listening to us, please continue to share, download, um, mm-hmm. comment. We love to get your feedback on some of these conversations. So Nara, where do people follow you? Where do people find you on social media? On Instagram. Now you, now you have to be active, right? Like we're putting <laughs> it up. Yes, I am going to be active. Yes. Uh, 
<laughs> well, I'm on Instagram at Saint Nara. That's my handle. Saint Nara is in S A I N T or S T Nara? No, S A I N T. Okay. You know, I went to a Catholic school, so, you know, yeah. there's like St. Nabas yeah. and St. Benedict and St. Yeah. Augustine. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So St. Yeah. Nara, full St. Nara, N-A-R-A-A-A-A-H. Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So thank you for, for the time, Nara. I hope you enjoyed being on the seat. Yes, it was fun. Thank you for having me. No, I'm glad. I'm glad. I really hope that somebody will really take. In fact, I know there's one. There's one person that will be touched by our conversation. There's one person that will look at themselves differently. There's one person who's going to sit there and admit to themselves that maybe they might be going through some mental health and do something about it. There's somebody yeah. out there who really will decide to to proceed with that with that creative career that they've been wanting to explore and 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 make their dreams a reality so i thank yeah. you i thank you for the time i thank you for for sharing and i highly appreciate it thank you i i i appreciate you thank you thank you Thank you for listening to Change Conversations. If you enjoyed our show and you would like to help support the podcast, please share it with others and kindly post about it on your social media platforms. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram and YouTube at Change Conversations with Mbume. I am Mbume Ngobedaga signing out and I will see you again next week.